0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to this special Beatles Live Line. Okay, let me give out all our details because in about 15 minutes' time, we'll be playing for the first time on Irish radio the new. Uh, Beatles single now and then Paul McCartney will uh, explain the single to you before just before two o'clock which we're very grateful for and uh, you can listen so I want you to let me know one if you have memories of the Beatles which a lot of people have but two what do you think of the single so our text number is 51551 our uh, Twitter uh, handles are at Joe Liveline or at RTE Liveline uh, live line, so that's very straightforward. Um, the uh, WhatsApp voice message is 087-1843-709, uh, 1843-709. So it's the world premiere of the song. It's going out in different radio stations across the world at the same time. It's obviously going up online at the same time. And indeed, if you go on to the Beatles, the Beatles uh, Twitter uh, uh, feed at the minute, or X, whatever it's called, uh, Twitter, we call it for the duration, um, you can see a short documentary with Paul and Ringo and Sean Lennon talking about how the single uh, came to be. And I think the, the final line is uh, Paul McCartney saying, um, I was blessed to have known such men, which is a lovely, lovely uh, piece. OK, let's get going. Go back it was 60 years ago, almost to the day that the Beatles played in Dublin uh, in the Adelphi Cinema, which is now the Arnott's Car Park in Middle Abbey Street. They played two gigs, half six and nine o'clock. The place was a mayhem. It was their first and only Irish appearance. And uh, they were already already mega, but they were to get even, even, even bigger. Uh, Terry Coleman Black. Terry, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. How are you? Are you looking forward to the new single, the final single? Of course. Oh, well, they're always saying the final single. Yeah, I am, very much so, yeah. Anything for you, I'm happy, yeah. So you were there 60 years ago. I was indeed, yeah. I was a 14-year-old schoolgirl who fell in love with them in 1962. So when they were coming in 1963, I was there on Believe. I can still remember it. Well, tell us. Still remember it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the old cinema, and anybody who's my yeah. age will remember that. And... They had curtains that went back. Okay. You know, like the real, and okay. there they were. And I mean, like, I just wanted, I was such a George Harrison fan then anyway. And when they, like, I'd scream. Yeah, I did. Of course I'd scream. I didn't care. I just wanted to see them. And what I was the, that they be, were, because the two concerts, the people were coming out from yeah. the first concert oh, yeah. while the people yeah. were coming in for the second one. So was that, was, was that mayhem out on Abbey Street? Yeah. Well, you see, the thing about it is, if, if you think about it, there had never been anything like this. This was new. Yeah. So, yeah, we were coming out at 6.30 and the others were going in. So people, nobody anticipated there was going to be a huge crowd there. But you know what? It's like, you have to put it in context, Joe. Like, we had a blast. We loved it. I mean, it wasn't, there wasn't a huge amount of uh, violence or anything. Yeah, Nothing course, like there yeah, would be yeah. somewhere. And were you, were you screaming with excitement, this 14-year-old Terry, Terry Coleman uh, Black, Terry Black, you, as you were? You, were you screaming? Absolutely, was I? What? Well, can you pick? Can yeah. you pick yourself out in from our recording of it? <laughs> oh, there she is. There 
There's somebody atmosphere. Rayfield Mahan. Rayfield, good afternoon. Are you there, Rayfield? Just dropped off my screen. Stephen Cockcroft. Stephen, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. You, you are are you the number one Beatles fan in the world? I know you run the um the the various uh, podcasts and that. Tell us, are you looking forward to the single, the new single, the fi- the final single? Remains to be seen whether it is the final single. I have my doubts about that, Joe. I why, think maybe why, we'll see. Why? Well, a lot of a lot of play has been made that this is the last song. But if you look at the little promotional video that came out last night from Apple, Paul McCartney at the very end said, "So this is the last song, probably." Yeah, so okay. I think he's leaving. He's leaving the door open slightly. But I'm very excited. Uh, very excited to hear it. Okay, you were born in '63. When did you discover the Beatles? I discovered the Beatles when I was about 10 years old. I was watching the film Help, uh, I think probably in black and white. And uh, once it was over, my mother explained to me that they were a real band, that this wasn't just a film. And then we went out and bought uh, an album called A Collection of Beatles Oldies, which is sort of the early 60s, the sort mm-hmm. of She Loves You from Me to You. And since then, I was just autom- uh, just hooked. And um, what all my friends in the late 70s were listening to the Sex Pistols and the Damned and Punk. I was listening to the the Beatles and the Stones and those 60s bands. So really since then. Okay, the Irish Connection, they almost, they played Belfast in Dublin uh, 60 years ago next week. Yeah. What, they were due to play Drogheda. What happened? That's a very interesting story because, uh, as you said, they played Dublin in, in 63. But before that, uh, a local concert promoter in Drogheda um, called Jerry Murphy got in touch with the Beatles manager Brian Epstein and asked would the Beatles come and play in Drogheda mm-hmm. and uh, they, it was too expensive I think it was about a thousand pounds and that was too rich yeah. for, for, for uh, Jerry Murphy's blood but on the podcast that I host uh, Nothing Is Real mm-hmm. we sort of wondered how did, how did this local promoter in Drogheda know about them that early because they had had no singles in Ireland they really weren't well known at this stage okay and we discovered that Dave Allen was the compare yeah, yeah, yeah. on the on the tour in England at the time. And Dave Allen's previous career, he used to work for the Drogheda Argus. Yeah, and our supposition yeah. is that Dave Allen, as the compare, could see the reaction the Beatles were getting, and they moved up the bill as they toured around England. And he got in touch with someone that he That's knew amazing. in Drogheda and said, "You need to get these." these guys across so could so have been Docker could have claimed that right okay I'm just Terry Coleman Black Cap do you remember how much the tickets were into the Adelphi if they were charging oh, yeah. it to... oh yeah I still have my tickets well now. how much how much it, my, six and six in old money six and About six 30 cents six. yeah six. probably two, 25 six, cents six shillings and six pounds there was there pence. was 20 shillings in it 20 shillings in a pound a pound is, is worth about what <laughs> one and one fifth euro in today's uh, money. No. So yeah. it's a quarter. So you're right, about, what you say, 30 cents? Oh, 30 cents. Oh, yeah. for but, God's but sake. But six and six then, though. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I oh, know. Yeah. Oh, six yeah. and six, two half crowns was five, Bob, and then you had a single chilling, right. and then you had your, your right. sixpence. Stephen Kennedy's with the Dublin... Uh, by the yeah. way, did you recognise yourself in that screaming, Terry? Oh, uh, the loudest, the loudest one. That okay. was me. And could you hear anything in, in the Adelphi when... With yes, the screaming. of course you could. Yes, you okay. could. I mean, at the beginning, obviously, it was horrendous. But yeah, yeah, of course you okay. could. Because okay. it's a small venue, yeah. Stephen Kennedy, the yeah. Dublin Beatles Festival. Are you looking forward to the final single? 
I am, Joe. Can't wait. A few minutes to go and uh, I'm getting anxious. A few minutes, yeah. less than four minutes, five minutes. Um, the Dublin Beatles Festival, OK, tell us about it. It's on this weekend. OK, yeah, they're good timing for me. And um, yeah, so this weekend, Joe, at the Workman's Club beside the Clarence Hotel in Temple Bar. Yeah. We have, we've, over four nights, we've got music from lots of different acts and Beatles. We've got a table quiz. We've got a stage play. We've got a screening of a documentary about Frida Kelly from Dublin, who yeah, was yeah. the Beatles' secretary. She was on with Ray last week, yeah. She's great. And she's doing a public interview after the documentary oh, on magic. Saturday afternoon. Yeah, she's a wonderful woman. And, uh, yeah, we, we've got, like, a band doing Abbey Road on ukulele on Sunday night. Okay. Uh, tomorrow night, we've a rock and roll band for, from England called the Hamburg Beat, and they're going to do all the rock and roll numbers that the Beatles played in Hamburg. So uh, it's a good weekend. It's at the Workman. Uh, all the information's on the website, Joe. Okay, and the same and the same set list. That's the same set list as was yeah. as was played it's in the Adelphi. Let's yeah. listen to a clip of outside the Adelphi sixty years ago. Quiet! For heaven's sake. Listen, what are you doing down here like you a need to see the Beatles, of course. I know, I know you are, but but what, what particular the Beatles, about oh, them? they're great, their hairstyle, their coats, their jackets, their leather jackets are fabulous. Yes. They're terrific, the sensation. Fashion. Okay, Angela, Angela, good afternoon. You there, Angela? Okay, back to Stephen. Stephen, do you do the, the festival at this time every year? Yeah, because the anniversary is obviously the 7th uh, yeah. of November they played in 63. And um, Joe, you made a good point there. I have a band from Tala called Beatles for Sale. Okay. They're a very well-known Irish Beatles band. They're yeah. going to play the exact same set oh, brilliant. that the Beatles played at the Adelphi 60 years ago. And you know how many songs were was it, was it were in the set? Uh, I think 10 songs, Joe. Like, 10, really, okay. It was less, less than 30 minutes. And wow. Obviously, the band on Tuesday, because I'm paying them a lot of money, Joe, they're going to play more than 10 songs. But... Uh, and we're going to get a few people from the original gig who were teenagers back then. They're going to do an introduction. Um, and Terry Coleman Black, you definitely will be there. <laughs> okay, t- tell us, have you a collection of Beatles memorabilia, or how did you how did you dis- how did you discover the Beatles? Um, well, I discovered them when when I was a child. So uh, I was born in the seventies after they broke up, and. Uh, I was allowed into my parents' record collection, Joe, so by the time I was 10, I think I knew all the albums, and I used to do copy books, you know, write up stories about the Beatles, which um, I kind of kept doing when I became an adult. So, uh, yeah, lifelong fan, Joe, you know, delighted. And they're everywhere. Two, two minutes to go. Uh, Stephen, uh, 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 let us know what you think of the signal. That show, Liveline at RTE, Liveline 511, one double five one text is is our text number Joe at rt.ie Stephen uh, Cockcroft you're you're you do a podcast uh are like as I said we spoke to someone here the other day uh, who said they'd never heard of the Beatles um you how how shocked would you be Stephen when you hear that I I'd be pretty shocked by that I'd be pretty shocked by that because so many bands today Joe sort of reference back to yeah. the Beatles. 
And whenever we, the podcast that we do, and I do it with a, a friend of mine, Jason Carty, who's in Dublin, I'm based in Belfast. And the, the, the people that listen to the podcast range from sort of young teenagers all the way up uh, to sort of people who are the same age as Paul McCartney. Um, so I, I'd be very surprised. Uh, I, I guess those people maybe have heard Beatles songs without realising yeah, it yeah. was the Beatles, perhaps. And as you say, you saw the movies because they made a number of movies with their well, around. They apparently, I know the movies were professional, professional productions, but apparently, everywhere yep. the lads went, George Wall, George, uh, George Ringo. Uh, Paul and John, everywhere they went, they seemed uh, seemed to have, a, one of them at least seemed to have a camera or a cine camera or whatever, and they were recording. Okay, exactly one minute before we uh, go into the Beatles' uh, final uh, uh, final uh, single. Terry Coleman Black, have you, have you remained a Beatles fan? Oh, I'm massive, absolutely. And uh, what Stephen was saying there, memorabilia, I have all of it from my, when I was a teenager. And wow. uh, it's, on dis- it's on display down at the Rock and Roll Museum. I was down there this morning. Okay. So anybody, the ticket, the ticket on the program is in it. So okay, yeah. Ray, Rayfield Mahan, Rayfield, you were there uh, sixty years ago. You also met George Harrison. How? No, I wasn't uh, there, Joe. Uh, George Harrison's uh, cousin lived next door to me in Drumcondra. Ah, his, yeah. na- his name was John French. Okay. And uh, John French and George's mother were cousins. And George was told when he came over to do the concert not to come back without visiting cousin John. OK, talk to you in a minute. Here we are. The countdown begins in one second. Incredible. Incredible, I think. Uh, 1979, that was John in the Dakota building in his apartment on the piano. And uh, is Paul McCartney there to explain how to put it together? Paul. To still be working on Beatles music in 2023, wow. We're actually messing around with state-of-the-art technology, which is something the Beatles would have been very interested in. Now and then, it's probably like the last Beatles song. And we've all played on it, so it is a genuine Beatle recording. Stephen Kennedy, what did you think of Now and Then? Um, well, Joe, to be honest, I couldn't hear it that well. On the OK. Uh, Stephen Cockcroft, <laughs> what did you think of Now and Then? I, I, I was much better than I was expecting. Yeah. I think the fact that John's voice is just so clear. Incredible. Where, the, where they worked up these demos before, that was always a problem. But as you say, the state-of-the-art technology that they have that can it's almost like musical archaeology they can clear off the and does it remind you of any it's a very John Lennon song does it remind you of any other Beatles or John Lennon's Lennon's work it, it's very like it is a very John Lennon song yeah. very like that sort of imagined period yeah, where yeah, he was I doing think. those sort of and it was 1979 Raphael yeah. Raphael Mahan what did you think of, of the new Beatles single I thought it was very, very good, yes, but it could do with a bit of improvement, as that last gentleman said. And how would, you, how would you improve it, Raphael, George, Martin, Mahan? How would you improve it? How would I, <laughs> how would I improve it? Anyway, Joe, Joe, I leave that to those who know what they're okay, doing. Okay, well, David, Bro- David, David Brophy is on the line, the conductor. David, good afternoon. Thanks, Raphael. David, good afternoon. Hi Joe, how are you doing? Good. You 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 conducted a Beatles concert only last week. All of their classics, one of many you've done. What did you think of the single, the song? It's actually quite.
quite moving. Yeah. It's quite poignant to hear that, actually, to hear John singing there, as you say, recorded in 1975 in the Dakota building. 79, yeah. Then, 79, I beg your pardon. No, you're not and, um, and to, you know, George Harrison recorded the guitar part, I think, in 1995, and then uh, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, they, they came back only recently and, and put the song together. It's quite, I think it's quite moving, actually. I yeah. mean, it is a very John Lennon song, but it's, it is, it's, it's, I suppose you get a, like, it's kind of weird because John Lennon would have recorded that as a, like a demo and mm-hmm. he didn't record it necessarily to be released, you know? And so you kind of, it's, there's a little bit of a, a fl- I feel like a fly on the wall kind of yeah, listening yeah. into a world that although, that can only be imagined, you know? Well, so apparently, I was, quite li- moving about it, actually. I was listening to George Martin's son this morning on the BBC and he was saying the original cassette recording of George, of John playing the piano yeah. in the Dakota building in 1979, he said he, he just... Uh, doodling in one sense. He said you could hear the television on in the background. Yoko was having a conversation uh, with somebody and they managed to get that pristine sound out of it. Now, it's obviously, I'm thinking of woman especially, woman, how can I explain? Uh, It's obviously a love song to Yoko. I know it's true. It's all because of you. And if I make it through, it's all because of you. And now and then, if if we must start again, well, we will know for sure that I love you. I don't want to lose you. Oh, no. Abuse you or confuse you. Oh, no, sweet darling, but you've you have to go away if you have to go well you uh, know the reason now now and then I miss you oh now now and then I want you to return to me till you return to me I know it's true it's all because of you and if you go away I know you could never say and I just wonder who's the first person in Ireland going to sing that song that there's the lyrics and we play it for you again so what 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 you, you love the orchestral bit in the middle do you David yeah, well, they they made a big thing of, of featuring the strings uh, in the recording there. But I think there's something like, there's something very poignant. And also to me, there's something a bit like, I feel like in some ways I'm eavesdropping on a, on, a, yeah. on a love moment between John and Yoko, as you uh, eloquently put out there. Like, I kind of feel it's a love song for her. And as you, as you say, you can kind of get the impression that John is just kind of, you know, doodling at the piano and just singing this almost to himself. And that actually creates something, there's something very poignant about it, listening to it there. And what do, what do you think of it as a melody, David? Well, I'd probably listen to it a few more times now, so I'm going to go off later today and take about three or four more yeah. passes on it. And like one of your previous speakers there, my phone line wasn't fantastic at the moment. Okay, but, uh, well, let's, so let's, I, I let's hear it again. I'm, inter- I'm interested if it's catchy, which it is. Can anyone pick yeah. it up? Can anyone pick it up and perform it live for us before the end of the programme? The lyrics are up on, online. Now, go ahead, Mark. David Brophy on second hearing. What do you think? It's it's very moving. I it's mean, I'm really fair. struck by that that line. That line where he says, "And if I make it through, it's it's just be it's because of you." And we yeah. that was recorded a year before he was shot. He was shot in 1980 wow. in, in New York. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think that's I think that's very moving, very poignant okay. to hear him sing that line only a year before he was he was uh, he was untimely shot dead. I mean, that's very moving. I well, think. David, briefly, I'll give you some of the reaction on Twitter, which is very positive at Joe or at Joe Liveline or at RT Father Brian Shorthall up there in in Prizewood. A Beatles fan since he was in his uh, an altar boy out in Killinarden. Brian thinks it's absolutely great. Uh, Thomas says it's it's for Paul McCartney, not Yoko, but I think it is for Yoko. Uh, Peter says so great to hear the new uh, new Beatles track. Uh, it's really brilliant. Uh, Dave Fanning, Dave Fanning is online. He says A one really does have its uses. Originally an acoustic demo from John, now with contributions from all four. Wait for this. This is from Dave Fanning. It is a Beatles song. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. So Dave Fanning has given it his um, 
is given it as is a stamp of a stamp of approval at this stage. Okay, um, the, uh, we might we might we might go back to Raphael. I take that point, Raphael about George George Harrison. Is Raphael now? She's not there. Simon Marr of Eight Radio. Simon, good afternoon. Afternoon, to you, Joe. Um, tell us what do you think of the single. I, just, I really like it. I think Dave was right when he said that it sounds like a Beatles song. You get the feeling that if the Beatles were still around, had kept yeah. on recording and stayed together as a band, that's the sort of sound they were heading towards. And I think it works. It works very well that way. It's, it, and it's really just really it's very nice. Apart from the technology and the wizardry that's going into making it, which is really impressive, is that it's just a very nice song. And Simon, were you nervous about it? Because I know you're, and, and I listened to Free as a Board again over the last few days, which was again released posthumously, so to speak, after John and George. Um, so you were nervous about this one because you weren't mad about Free as a Board. But you're, you're, how is your, how are your nerves now? <laughs> I'm, I, I am, I'm definitely relieved. I thought when I when they were putting together anthology in the mid 1990s. Obviously, the technology wasn't there to make the songs make the songs sound as good as they do now. But as well as that, I don't think the two other songs from the demo, from John's demo that the track is taken from, were as good as this one. Okay. So when this was when this was coming out, I was like, oh, "Don't be and don't be the weakest of the three songs," because they took a stab at it in 1995, and that's where Harrison's guitar came from. But it was, I was worried that perhaps it wouldn't be the the, the best of them. But I think it's definitely. Of the three from the demo, it's okay. definitely the strongest one. Wow! So it is a Beatles song. I think so. I yeah, no, I think it do it does. It there's a natural, and obviously it's got John Lennon all over it, and as it should yeah. do. But it, you know, it's sort of the sound that they were heading towards, even in that sort of very late sort of sixties into the seventies, at the very very end, that's the direction that they were going in. You know, and probably Lennon was the one who probably stayed true as to that path as they went through the 70s you know but it it just works it works very well okay okay uh, Rita thank, I'll come back to you in a sec Simon uh, Rita Crone and Rita what did you think of Hello. the song did you hear the song oh I I did indeed Joe and I thought it was lovely I thought it was timeless okay lovely you phrase know, lovely I phrase I really did yeah, yeah. Out, out of 10 I'm very excited what would you give it out of 10 oh, 10, 10 10 out of 10 yeah okay you were at the Adelphi you were 14 I at the time. Indeed, 14, it's 60 years ago. Nearly I today. Know, I know. I, but I'm reliving it today again. And did it bring, <laughs> did, the, did this single, the final single, bring it back to you? Uh, or could you hear anything well, above, could you hear anything above the screen? <laughs> well, I, well, I think I did, yeah, after a few people told me to shut up. <laughs> uh, and how? Yeah, I did. I, I it was very good time. We'll and by say, the way, uh, Rita, if you're yeah. only 14, I presume you went to the Half Six concerts. I was a Half Six, oh yeah, I wouldn't be there unless it's nine o'clock. But Charlie lived up the road in Hell's Cross, so... So you're down Very close to home. And yeah. I was talking Back to Raphael earlier on. Now I asked, unfortunately, Raphael couldn't hear the song when I was looking for a reaction to it. Oh, uh, right. but, but so that's that's why I moved on quickly. Apologies okay, if I appeared yeah. rude. But Raphael, no, Raphael, no, no. Raphael tells us that um, after the concert, George and Ringo visited her neighbour in Drumcondra because her yes. neighbour was George I Harrison's mother, first cousin. Yeah. And Raphael got she got George and Ringo's autograph, and she remembers the two of them coming oh, up in a stretch limo. Would you believe a stretch oh, limo? Antia, Joe at RT. Stay with us, Rita. Joe at RT. Five one double five one is the text number. Antia. Stretch limo. 
Stretch them. Auntie, what did you think of the new single? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, enjoyed it. Okay. You couldn't get more enthusiastic for me, could you, Auntie? Please, on the day that's in it. It was fabulous. I've waited 60 years for this day. I was only seven when <laughs> Beatles came to, they came to the Adelphi. I wasn't allowed, sure wasn't allowed out of the house at the time. Um, your, fa- your godfather, mm-hmm. tell us. Harry Lush, the manager of the Adelphi. And, and my father was the assistant manager of the Adelphi. He was 24 at the time. Yeah. He took the Beatles out for di- to dinner after their second concert and wow. then brought them home. And I was three and Paul put me on his knee. Oh, he brought them home to your house? Yeah, <laughs> we were living in Black Rock at the time. So because um, people will remember after the uh, second concert, which would have finished before 10 o'clock, um, the, mm-hmm. the Beatles couldn't get out of the Adelphi. So they, they got them into the lane Prince's Lane, I think it's called, and back out that lane, you'll know it now, uh, into the, in the, where the Independent was at the time and all the Evening Herald vans. And apparently they jumped into the back of an Evening Herald van, sat on the Evening Heralds at the time, and the van took off towards the Gresham where they were staying but couldn't get to the Gresham. So they ended up, you're saying they ended up in your house. Yeah, so Dad took them out for dinner and then they ended up at our house. Anyone got a photograph of you at three on Paul McCartney's knee? It would be great, wouldn't it? I've never found one. Okay. And can, does, does your father, uh, or indeed your godfather, talk about them? Um, I don't remember. I mean, I was very young myself. I don't remember Harry talking about them. Much Dad did. I mean, we, we were given beetle wigs, the plastic beetle wigs well, for course. Christmas yeah, 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 of yeah. Uh, 63. So, And then I think in 64, maybe too, and we used to sing, you know, all the songs, we knew them all. So, yeah, they, he talked about them a lot. They were very young then. They were just starting off and, um, you know, and he was young at 24. So, you know, they had a lot in common, I think. Uh, go to a little... Thanks, Antia. Uh, have, you, have you any memorabilia from that day, Antia? Any tickets, any programmes, any... No, I don't no. think so. Dad doesn't talk much these days. He's he's, he's probably listening to this now, oh, but great, um, great. I've never seen anything. Okay. And we say hello to your father, uh, Ken Reeves, well known as assistant manager in the Adelphi, which was a cinema. A cinema. It was. Yeah, it was. that's where I saw. He was also the gaiety as well at some oh, stage, but stuff. the Adelphi for the Beatles. That's where I saw Clute and I saw Ryan's Daughter, the first over 16 movie I ever saw. Thank you, Auntie. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Hi, Joe. Your dad again. What's, what was his connection with the Beatles when they came here? Um, he was a bus driver in CIE. Yeah. And in the summer, he was on the tours. So that meant in the winter, he was what they call spare in the garage. Okay, yeah. And he was in the Broadstone um, garage, and we lived in Fibsborough. But anyway, he came home one day for lunch, and he said, I'm bringing this crowd up to Belfast. Okay. And we didn't take any notice of it. And then he said, they're with a group called the Earwigs. And I said, do you mean the Beatles, Dad? Ah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, thank you, yeah, 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 that, that yeah. must be who it, who it is. So I pleaded with him to uh, bring me with him, but he wouldn't. I was um, 12 at the time. Now, the crowd that he had in the bus, they were called the Screamers. They were all the girls. They must have brought their own little... With um, them, with them, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, he went up to Belfast and he was um, in the wings while they were playing, while they were singing. 
and my sister had uh, an autograph book and also a photograph of the Beatles, even though she wasn't a fan, she was um, a Cliff Richard fan, and my brother was too young. So anyway, Dan comes home and he has the, the autographs in my sister's book, and he also got the picture signed. And he also had um, a button that was off um, a jacket. And he made out anyway that it was George's button off his suit. So I took that thinking that, um, you know, it was more personable and, uh, you know, all of that. Yeah. But sure, it could have been off any, anybody's suit. <laughs> but anyway, um, the, we had two lots of autographs of the Beatles. Wonderful. Well, hold on to yeah. them now. Hold on to them. Do you hear me? Oh, I don't have them. I think my brother oh, okay. has them. <laughs> 60, yeah. Well, remember, it's 60 years later since they were here and uh, we've just had their final single and the reaction I'm seeing so far is very positive. That it is oh, a yeah. it is a Beatles. It is recognisable as a Beatles, a Beatles song. OK, quick break. Back after this. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. By the way, Paul McCartney is tweeting saying it is the it is the last Beatles song, and by the way, the reaction generally is that it's a very beautiful, a very beautiful piece. Tony Anto Doyle, Anto, how long is it since uh, I first sat with you in Clatter Green? I was only a nipper, but you were the biggest Beatles fan. I the first Beatles fan and the biggest Beatles fan I ever came across. What do you think of the new single, Anto? Like it, Joe. Yeah, it, I'm amazed that an old 44 year old Steve Sixty cassette. You remember those cassettes? Yeah, they yeah. were just very scratchy sounds. That they're able to clean it up and tidy it up, and the, all the new technology and produce such a clear sound. And, and, it's, and it's a very good song too. It is a lovely song. Does it remind you of any other either Beatles piece or John Lennon piece? Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's quite like Free as a Bird and Real Love. The other two songs that were on that same cassette. Uh, I think it's more John Lennon solo stuff than Beatles stuff. Uh, but uh, no, it's uh, it's it's very very good, very good song, and I like that he put strings on it. And, yeah, it's uh, lovely. And a George Harrison guitar solo as well. Okay, here's yeah. a stay there, Anto, because here's here's Paul uh, being asked, uh, what does he think John would make of it? George and Ringo came down to my studio. Nice day. Fabulous day. We listened to the track. There's John in his apartment in New York City, banging away at his piano, doing a little demo. Is it something we shouldn't do? Every time I thought like that, I thought, wait a minute, let's say I had a chance to ask John. Hey, John. Would you like us to finish this last song of yours? I'm telling you, I know the answer would have been, yeah, he would have loved that. And to remind people, when, what age were you when you got into the Beatles? I would have been uh, 10 or 11, 1963, and uh, when they came to Dublin, uh, myself and your brother Jim, who was yeah. uh, a mate of mine, and yeah, we were around was, the same age, yeah. we wanted to we wanted to get the bus into town. We didn't have tickets, of course, yeah, but yeah. To, 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 to maybe we catch a glimpse of them, but of course, our mothers and dads wouldn't allow us at that age 
to, to be going into the city on the 78 bus from Ballyar. <laughs> but I remember, so, uh, I no. remember Anton working with you in Boiling Sweet Shop after school every day. And you, you, right. you would know the exact date, day and date when the next Beatles single was out. And you would either go into town to order it or go into town on the day to get it. That's correct, Joe. In fact, I think I was probably the first person in Bally Farmer to buy Sergeant Pepper on the first, on Friday, the 1st of June, 1967, on the day it was released. I got up early. I uh, didn't have to be in the De La Salle school till nine o'clock, but I was into town to buy the album. The minute the Miller doctor. Okay, there's the line gone, unfortunately. Paddy Fitzpatrick, I'll come back to Anto. Paddy Fitzpatrick, good afternoon. You drove Paul McCartney. Joe, yes, yes, I did. It was back in 2001, in May right. 2001. Um, I'm a chauffeur, and I was uh, had been working that day. It was a hot day in May. I just want to get off hands-free here. I know. Can you hear me okay. now? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, um, I, I, what you call it? Um, so, I've been working that day, and. Okay, there's another line gone on me, unfortunately. Uh, Tim Casey, Tim, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. How are okay, you? Okay, is Paddy back? Are you back, Paddy? No. Uh, Tim, uh, you were uh, you were in New York in the eighties, and you were called around yeah. to the, you were walking into the Dakota Building. Yeah, indeed, Joe. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. Loud and clear. Loud and clear. Yeah, back about eighty seven, eighty eight. I was on a J one visa with some pals from college, and um, typical Irish story. Didn't have a job. Uh, sort of true connections of people who knew people ended up working in the Dakota Building on One West Seventy Second wow. Street. Yeah. Um, and the role of security and maintenance was basically meant to did everything from, you know, escorting people in, uh, you know, emptying bins, painting, whatever was kind of required. But uh, okay. on one occasion, um, I had to, I was in uh, in the apartment that that song was written in, um, obviously not, not at that time, but... Um, yeah, uh, I had to deliver uh, a couch into into uh, the apartment uh, of, okay. of, of Yoko Ono. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a great experience. Well, explain, you shoes uh, off. when you say apartment, yeah. we think of one bed, boxes in Dublin. What was their apartment? Uh, Tell me, r- remind me what their, what their apartment was like. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Like really high ceilings. They actually owned several apartments in the building, but this one, they, they lived in themselves. So... You you know you go in the door you have to take your shoes off um, you know very high ceilings as I say a really uh, overlooking Central Park uh, there was a, a a wall full of LPs you know hundreds if not thousands of LPs and a massive massive picture of of John's face and head um, in in, in multi colours on the wall which was really arresting um, and then yeah so the, the, we were just delivering a couch actually into into Yoko's bedroom it was all you know really pure white. Uh, you know, big white billowy uh, curtains out onto the park and, and things like that. So, fabulous apartment. Not like a, an apartment that we would realise. It's, it's really like a mansion when you're inside. You've, you've, you've no concept of... of now, you say the 80s. Place. Now, John was assassinated on um, uh, December 1980. Yeah. Did you ever meet John? No, I never met John. It was 87, yeah. 88. So, oh, but I did okay. meet Sean. I did meet Sean. Oh, Sean, yeah. So, yeah, Sean would have been young at the time, and he his bike was kept down in the basement. So uh, on numerous occasions, I would have uh, had to get his little bike out, and he would cycle around in the basement because uh, obviously you wouldn't go out on the street. Uh, you kind of be kind of be mobbed or whatever. So yeah, I would have met Sean, um, and I would have met Sam, uh, sort of their manager at the time, uh, who was kind of around the building and stuff like that. But there was a lot of famous people in the building: uh, Lauren Bacall, Leonard Bernstein. 
uh, Roberta Flack actually was in Roberta Flack's uh, kitchen changing a light bulb mm. and she was on the phone to Stevie Wonder. So, um, kind of just uh, <laughs> a, a oh, surreal you're a, world. You're surreal world. But you're, you're, a, you're, you're a terrible name dropper. I know you're going to say. <laughs> I know, I, I know, I know you're going to say to me. I'm sure, Paul McCartney said the same thing to me years ago. That's incredible. No, no. That's an incredible story. Yeah. And by the way, was there any protocol about going into John and Yoko's apartment? Did you have to take off your hat? Did you have to? No, you just had to take off your shoes. And obviously, if you were an official employee, so on that occasion, I got keys just to sort of let the delivery delivery guys in. But you wouldn't typically have keys to the apartments. So you would, you know, we'd ring the bell and. Um, and you kind of whatever deal with whoever sort of answered, but uh, yeah, no, the apartments were private. Uh, okay. But yeah, you had access and, all all around the building. And did yeah. you hear the Beatles song? We played it twice already. Have you, did, I did. I think it's fabulous. Yeah, I think, it's yeah. free. I think what what people are saying, like the the cause these guys were ordinary people, I and mean, when you kind of when you've been in that sort of space, it just you know they're they're incredible. But to hear John's voice. Uh, as crystal clear as it is and, and even to hear the emotion in Paul McCartney's voice when he talks yeah, about it I think yeah. this really means an awful lot and I think you know it could go unnoticed in many ways but well, I, think I can tell a, you the a, reaction on the 51551 yeah. the live line uh, text line as far as I can see is very positive but now and then wouldn't be out of place on any Beatles album love yeah. I love this It's I love this Beatles song always a fan I'm now 75 and I, uh, I'm still a, still a fan. I also think the song is a, a love song to Paul. Right, a lot of people are saying it rather than to Yoko. It's more of an inspirational song than a love song. We play it again uh, in a few yeah. minutes. Thanks indeed, Tim. Um, where's Damien Hogan? Damien. Hi, Joe. How are you? You met Paul McCartney. I did. Myself and my wife travelled over to London back in 2010 to see him in Hyde Park. And I always wanted to do the the zebra crossing up at uh, yeah. Abbey Road so we went up there had a little look around saw actually Sir George Martin actually walk into the building from his car and did the zebra crossing looked at a watch and said to ourselves you know what we'll head back downtown now get something to eat and as we were going through John's Wood there was an Italian restaurant there went inside mm-hmm. was just ordering I was looking out the window and I said to Joe my wife I said you're not going to believe this but I said Paul McCartney standing outside here talking to somebody so I went out now yeah. I didn't want to impose myself upon him because he likes his privacy as well yeah, but he was, yeah when he's doing his own thing and that so I was on to my friend and I was telling him that I was going to Hyde Park and then just as I finished the call he came over to me and he said to me I didn't mean to overhear he said but I did he said I believe I believe you're going to see me tonight in Hyde Park and I said I am Paul and uh, oh, of course I was as you do as you actually, do you know, yeah. He was, he, yeah he was so nice you know and uh, he said to me um yeah, he said, uh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll keep a look out for you. And I wave at you. I said, you will, all right. It's going to be 80,000 people there. And he had a good laugh about it. Now, he had his little daughter with him. And okay. I did read, he doesn't like to be photographed when he's with his family or with okay. his daughter. Well so done. I didn't ask him for well a photograph. Done. Well done. Said, That's not something well, Paul, you do. And, but Damien, you have, you have the unusual accolade. Paul McCartney came over to you. He did. He walked over to me because he actually said to me, I heard your accent. He said, yeah, but you, you sound like you're from <laughs> Ireland. I said, I'm from Dublin. And he said, oh, I played there many times. In fact, I saw him in the RDS maybe about 10 years earlier uh, than that. But the funny thing is, when I walked in and I sat down beside Joe and I was rattling, she said to me, you're starstruck. And she said, you're not going to believe this. She said, but he's after walking in behind you and he's sitting down with his family. Ah. I mean, in the same restaurant we were in. No, <laughs> and, and the guy said, you had it was Joe. Nobody bothered him. Nobody went near him. The waiter well, you waiter should, Damon, 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 you should have gone over to Paul and say, Paul, please don't follow me around. I, I, I'm, entitled to, <laughs> I'm entitled to my privacy. 
I want my privacy too. And incidentally, Joe, you know, I just came back from New York this morning, and where was I on Sunday? I went to uh, Strawberry coast. Field in ah, Central Park, in Central and I went Park, over and yeah. got a photograph outside oh, well the Dakota building, uh, and it was very poignant. Say a little prayer. And uh, Damien, what did you did you hear the new single, the final? I single? did, and it's excellent. I love Isn't it really lovely? Love it. Really, really yeah, lovely. It's really good. Okay, Damien, the vocals on it are excellent. They really are, you know? and the the yeah. John, uh, Paul on bass, Ringo on drums, uh, George on lead and um, John on piano. Here's more uh, background to the making uh, of this song, uh, the, the vocal of John uh, when it was isolated. Making good music in a band is all about chemistry. The way our four very different personalities combined in the Beatles was something very special. When we lost John, we knew that it was really over. But in 1994, amazingly, an interesting opportunity arose. We could make more music together. If we were to do something, the three of us, as interesting as it may be, to have John in it is the obvious thing. I was talking to Yoko and she said, oh, I think I've got a tape of John. We were pretty excited. A new John song. Amazing. To hear John's voice, that's the thing that we should cherish. And I'm sure he would have really enjoyed that opportunity to be with us again. We could use John and try and make a record. It was the closest we'll ever come to having him back in the room. Sheila, what do you think of the new single, the final single? Yeah, it's it's marvellous. I mean, I, I, I don't, as I said to her, Sasha, I don't sort of, oh, I listen to Beatles tonight. Uh, it's very moving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> coughing after it. Just that bit you played now, it's the way his voice is gentle, yeah. but it seems to go up a step. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's beautiful. Timeless. I know you said that. Fabulous. Timeless. Yeah. And very, yeah. very emotional. Why? Is it because it's a love song? or? Well, I had no idea of the background. Yeah. I didn't know it was about Yoko. But just as I heard it, neat on its own without any knowledge, yeah. I thought, that's, that's superb. And the emotion. Yeah. The emotion is obvious because John was dead yeah. within the year. And uh, yeah. this is the, the made clear by the four, um, the, the representatives of George Harrison's yeah. estate, uh, yeah. John's estate, Yoko uh, and uh, Paul and Ringo that this yeah. is the final single well said very emotional utterly timeless and fabulous yeah. thanks indeed Sheila yeah. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 and Joe at rt.ie and 51551 and that at Joe Liveline and that at uh, RT live line on Twitter. Kevin Devitt is there. Eamon is there. I'll try and get through as many as uh, possible. Uh, Eamon, you met the Beatles when? I met the Beatles during 1963 when they came to Dublin. Yeah, they travelled from they travelled from Dublin to Belfast and they called to Ballymascanlan Hotel where I was ah. after starting my my first job. What time of day? What time of day? They came at lunchtime, so it would have been between one and three, and uh, they uh, uh, came in a like a Rolls Royce, I think, at yeah, the time. Yeah. So we were more impressed with the car than we were with the Beatles. But they uh, they it was a party at seven, 
and I think their manager was with him, probably a driver and maybe security. And they came in, sat in the dining room with all the people, the customers that we called them, where people had their lunch, which was dinner really at the t- at the middle of the day, was the busy Those time. Yes, yes. In, in the evening. Uh, and did you talk? They, one, you weren't expecting them, obviously, but would you talk to any yeah. of them? The people recognised them. People didn't really recognise them. No, they wore the same jackets that they wore, uh, you know, at, at other times. They were the collar around collars. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, each, each one of them had a cine camera in his hand. They were obviously ah. given these or, or given a gift, would, which would be great if you were talking yeah, to Paul yeah. McCarthy. See, wh- where are they now? But they continued to film each other and mess around. And uh, even when they were eating their lunch, they continue to play around Well, that's a fascinating observation because, Eamon, that's why there's so much... They were the first band that we have so much footage of. Um, yes, as you say, yeah. the professional and amateur and them tricking about and acting the Egypt and the yeah, yeah. camaraderie between... The, what were they like, by the way, Eamon? Were they... Grand, yeah. They yeah. sat down very quietly. Nobody, they didn't speak to each other much. As I said, they played with the cameras and the other three men probably were saying, God, I wish they'd can behave themselves but I they had grow to, up and eat I, I, yeah I do, but I did remember one thing that John uh, you know where at that time you know dinner in the middle of the day would have right. been with roast chicken and ham roast beef boiled mutton and all this place and chips John wanted uh, uh, egg and chips he said you know, brilliant, I remember brilliant. taking the order from him. Yeah, then I have egg and chips, which okay. was caused okay. caused a bit of hassle in the ah. kitchen because you didn't do chips in the middle of the day in those days. Okay. You know, you okay. great memories, Eamon. Well he, done. He, he where's was, where's I want to? I'm I'm rushing now. Kevin, David, Kevin. Joe, hi. Of course. Now you would have to say you saw them where? Saw them in Las Vegas. Oh, in, really? Uh, Sixty-four. Oh, really? The first tour. I'm very jealous. Yeah. I'm very jealous. Great show. And what were you it doing? started with uh, Twist and Shout. Yeah. Which was, uh, I thought they'd start with Roll Over Beethoven. That was one of my favorites by them. But they started with Twist and Shout. And after 35 minutes, Paul McCartney looked at his watch and says, Well, we got to go. And that was it. Did 12 you? songs, 35 minutes. Wow. But it was, it was great. It was, uh, you got, we were 10 rows back center. My dad got us some tickets for being. Nice kids, I guess. Okay, so that was and, that uh, was when, Kevin? 64, is that what you said? 64. 1964, August. Their first American tour uh, yeah. as a tour. They played a few times before that in uh, uh, Florida, Ed Sullivan's show in Washington, D.C. Because this, this month, first tour. this month isn't, does not just mark the 60th anniversary of the Beatles coming to Dublin. It's the 60th anniversary on November 22nd of the assassination of JFK. So that was in the aftermath yeah. when and we know the effect that had in the United States uh, of yeah. America. So, um, but well, they I saw John Kennedy. I saw John Kennedy in September. Yeah. Of that year. Well, you saw him. Okay. And it was kind of crazy because my mom was holding up signs. Uh, Welcome, they called him Jack. Welcome, Jack. Jack, we love you and all this stuff. Like, I God, my parents are crazy. Historic then, times. Uh, Historic and times. And then uh, eight months later, you know, I was doing the same thing about the Beatles on the same stage John Kennedy was on. Wow! Wow! Which was amazing. And what did you hear the new, the new and final single? Yeah, it. it uh, I heard it the three times you played. It sounds a bit like. It could be on the starting over album, or right, yeah, yeah. it reminded me. It reminded me of um, Number Nine Dream for some reason. Okay, okay. Just, just that kind of flowing type of music. 
Yeah, it, remind, it reminded it, me now of woman, but um, but uh, the, uh, oh, as, yeah, as, yeah. as a number of people have said already, it is a, it is a Beatles song. I need to take a quick break back after this. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Tom Kenny worked with George Harrison. Tom, good afternoon. You're a lighting designer. Tell us about that adventure. Hey, uh, Joe. Yeah, listen, I worked for Eric Clapton in the 80s, and George is a good pal of his. Okay. And uh, started off, uh, Eric's son died. Wow. Uh, we were at the funeral, which was awful, very sad. Later on that day, a few of us were standing around in Eric's back garden, and George came up to us and said, that bench there, that's where we wrote, Here Comes the Sun. So wow. got to know him that first time. And then later that year, Eric talked him into, or we, somebody talked George into doing shows in Japan. So okay. we got together in Bray Studios in, in England, rehearsed for like three weeks, which was a, he could write a book about that, and then got to Japan. And uh, just as we went along, I got to, I got to pretty, on pretty well with George because we had the same sense of humor and the fact that I was Irish because he'd yeah. always come back to me and, and say, God, that time in Dublin, and he did always wanted to go back, and his wife loved it, and yeah, he was great. He had a great sense of humor, and uh, just listening to that track, yeah. Joe, they were they were so advanced, the Beatles, that the fact that they're using AI really just represents them now because they would have used it at the time. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, yeah. just knowing what they were. But George, George <clears throat> was a a very funny, dry sense of humor character, and. He was like himself and John were the real musicians, musicians, you know. And uh, great fun, great sense of humor, tell me stories. And uh, every time I ran into him after that, was always Tom, you know. So he's a great guy. And George, George is the one in Dublin Airport, and he says, I'm Irish. And then John says, "Uh, we're we're all Irish. And then as Rayfield explained uh, to us, that that, uh, they went up, George and Ringo, but George brought Ringo up to meet his cousins up in Drumcondra. Yeah, and then and it's then it's funny you say that. Yeah, he said to me that uh, it was so much fracas and melee around the Adelphi that one of the guys in the Gresham had said, "Listen, I know you want to meet your cousins. I'll get you out the back door." So yeah. all these stories are coming together now because they're talking about the press thing. Himself and Paul managed to slip away to some bar in Sean McDermott Street, or just must be behind the Gresham there, okay, and yeah. meet some cousins. Cal Brewer Street, yeah. So all these mysteries are coming true now, right? But uh, he would, he, he, it's, it's such a shame they're obviously not here with us anymore, but yeah. uh, such yeah. a great character. He used to say that uh, Liverpoolians or Scouses were can't swim. That's why, uh, that's why they can't get back to Ireland. Okay. You know, so but you love George. You really admired George. You seem to get on. You admired and his music yeah. was incredible. He, yeah, he was the most normal. Like obviously, he's the guy that brought all the Eastern ethic yeah, and all yeah, that, that yeah. side to it all. But he had this. He was a serious guitar player, you know. Uh, and he kept in the background. He was the youngest, so he was you know yeah. just going along with the flow. But he never really. You never really. He was a quiet one, but. Uh, since that, it's sort of coming out now, and all the Beatles fans will tell you that he was in the background adding all this stuff and yeah, having yeah. the powerhouse of Lennon and McCartney trying to get your your ward in. But you can see it in that movie that he was growing up, yeah. and uh, just a lovely man. He was he uh, <clears throat> he told me his son thought he was a gardener because he 
they never they lived in a big house in Twickenham and all he did was garden and his son mm. till he was about <laughs> eight or ten thought that's brilliant. what my dad brilliant. was brilliant brilliant. Never, brilliant never knew he was a Beatle and there is a photograph of George Harrison in O'Connell Street in Dublin when he was around eight years of age with his mother uh, taken by the legendary Arthur Fields that's how Irish he was thanks indeed Tom um, Morris thanks Tom Mar- Morris Boland is in Marbella Morris good afternoon Good afternoon to you, Joe. Um, from you, um, a bit rainy today in Marbella. Okay, but you love you, you're a music man from many many decades, uh, both in Ireland and Spain. What did you think of the single, the new final single, as they say? Well, I, I heard the the voice of John last night on the one show on BBC, and it just brought tears to my eyes. And I thought, am I the only one? Then I went back to uh, um, the, the studio, and they were all in tears. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. It, it's John, uh, one of the Beatles, and it brought me back to the Adelphi and the show in the Adelphi, and then it was amazing. Luckily, I met Paul then a few years later in Apple in London, nice. and I got a lift on John Lennon's Rolls Royce down to Piccadilly Circus. That was a quite an experience. And you were in the Adelphi on that fateful night. What age were you, Morris? Do you mind me asking? No, I don't know. I must have been. I must have been about twelve, I think. Okay. Harry Lush was my was the manager. And you mentioned he earlier, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was my maths grind, so Brilliant. he gave me tickets. And, uh, and I remember my mother dropped me there, and then picked me up afterwards. It was an extraordinary. Could you couldn't hear much? The screaming was yeah, yeah. I could imagine your ears. And yeah, I know you went on. You'd be involved in the music business, uh, Elizabeth, Barbara Ellis, Saxon, legendary, legendary locations yeah. in Dublin. I need to take a quick break. Back after this, Morris. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Una Manning, Nee Willoughby, as she tells me, was the Irish Area Secretary of the Beatles fan club. What do you think of the, the final single, Una? Oh, it was so calming, Joe. I thought it was fantastic. Lovely one. Of course, John was more evident, you know, in it. But I know that was lovely and the strings and everything. So I'll have to put on the cans later on now and listen to it properly. Well, that's a lovely word you use. So calming. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, And how long were you with the Beatles uh, earlier? Are you still? (laughs) No, not at all, no. Uh, For the last three years. From a, from about sixty seven until seventy. Okay, and what did you do as as Irish area secretary? Well, I just used I just used to answer members' uh, questions and inquiries okay. and stuff like that. And so, the, the letters came from all over the country. And there was one girl actually used to write to me from Canada. Wow! You know, so and did it, you it ever, was very interesting. Una, did you ever meet any of the lads? No, I didn't. Unfortunately. We were supposed to, they were supposed to have a concert in the Roundhouse in London. Now, it wasn't the Royal Albert, but it was the Roundhouse Concert Hall or something. But they were supposed to have the concert anyway for all the secretaries. But, it, you know, things fizzled out then towards the 70s, so it didn't happen, unfortunately. And you organised Beatles music hops? I, I, <laughs> in <laughs> Abbey Street, it was. <laughs> Excellent. And you, you watch... It was it was a little bit of a, a no hope. Okay. We um, it was just the music, you know, just the records and stuff, you know. But I uh, just I don't know. It didn't happen so well anyway, so okay, there you well go. Okay, well done. There's a big Beatles festival on in Dublin this weekend, Una. That's Una yeah. Manning. Tommy Nolan. Tommy, 
The Adelphi. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? So what's your story about the Beatles? Well, I was there that night, Joe, because I'd done the lighting for them. Good man. And uh, I'd done all the shows in the Adelphi. But that was a special night. And uh, they done two shows, half six and nine o'clock. So in between, uh, there was a break, and uh, I thought I'd disappear off the stage for a few minutes. And I took a, I went up the back stairs, up the back stairs in the Adelphi, and uh, went into the toilet. I had a crossword book with me, okay. so I was sitting down, crossword doing book. a few okay. crosswords. Yes, yes. Yeah, and the uh, next thing's a bang on the door, and I said, "I'll be out in a minute." <laughs> and uh, another bang on the door. I'll be out in a minute. I told you. I didn't know who it was, so I finished up what I was doing and. <laughs> went to open the door. Who's standing there? Only John Lennon. Right. You know? Yeah. And I said, what's your problem? <laughs> he said, do you know who I am? Uh. I said, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's no need to be like that. Yeah. Uh, well, he says, I can get you sacked for the oh, way you're talking luck. to me. Oh, good luck. I said, if you want, you can get me sacked, but there won't be any show. Because I'm doing the lighting. Good man, you know? Tommy. So, so, so then we had a bit of a laugh and everything was okay then. It was a great experience. Oh, I couldn't hear them. I was, I was on the yeah, side yeah. of the stage operating the lights and uh, with the crowds shouting and screaming. It was brilliant. Oh, it was a great sick. night. As I say, Historical. That's sick. Historic. It's 60, 60 years ago, John. Next yeah. Tuesday, Tommy. God bless yeah, you, Tommy. Amazing. God bless you. And your ma- Are you still doing the lights even in your own house? I'm, <laughs> I'm not allowed, Joe. <laughs> but I hope. But I, just I hope. Pay, I just paid the light bills. That's <laughs> but yeah. I hope you can get into the bathroom to do your crossword. Well done, Tommy Nolan. <laughs> Larry Murphy, Larry. Yes, Joe. How are you? You were in London in '63. I was in London in 1963, and I worked in a shop in London called Hale and Partners. And the, the manager there was a Mister Goodfellow. Okay. And his son was Dave Goodfellow, and he had a little moped. And Dave, we got on very well, the two of us, and he used to take me all around London. And I know we went to a Beatles concert, either late 63 or early 64. And, um, I, I, of course, I had the uh, the Beatles haircut oh, okay. and, um, the Beatle, and the Beatles boots. And you were only... Like, I, had the Beatles haircut, I had the Beatles haircut Good man. 10 years before that. With, uh, with the family and the haircuts. <laughs> well done, well done. That's Larry Murphy, a Corkman to finish the programme. Uh, Mark Dwyer was on sound research by Shane Galvin, producer was Sean O'Gorman. Let's finish before Ray Darcy on the wonderful voice of John Lennon. 0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.